The following podcast is brought to you by the BICBP Radio Network. And finally this evening, if you don't know what a hundred-year-old Wookiee is, he or it is seen here on the left, chances are you're going to find out. Douglas Kiker reports. Star Wars. It is more than just a successful movie, it is a box office phenomenon. The film is breaking attendance records all over the country. Not since Jaws have so many people stood in line to see a movie. Alan Ladd Jr., an executive at 20th Century Fox, whose film it is, talked about the reasons for its appeal. I think it's just good and evil. The simplicity of the, the whole story is what really makes it work. Uh, it's a fantasy. And uh, I think we all grew up in a fantasy world. And I think that it works on that level. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of Retro Pop, your home for bi-weekly pop culture talk right here on the BICBP radio network. My name is Matt Johnson, one of your hosts alongside, as always. Uh, I am the Padawan to Matt's Jedi. I am Johnny Townsend. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate you. Uh, real quick before we get started into this episode that Matt and I are very, very excited to talk about. Uh, we uh, we got our uh, we won't we won't disclose full stats here, but we do know we got some listeners, Matt, and that's very exciting. Dude, I am so pumped! I, I didn't expect really expect this show to take off as quick as it Same. did. Uh, and, and yeah, I won't say listeners as well, but I mean it's it's good to know, uh, and we appreciate every one of you who are tuning in. Me and Johnny put a lot of time into this show and we've only, this is only our what fourth episode this recording yeah, right and now look, i mean honestly i am <laughs> this goes without saying i am very lazy so the fact that i do any work for anything <laughs> is impressive and i put a lot of uh, research and everything into this even when it's not my topic just so i don't feel like i'm an idiot <laughs> uh so i can at least feel averse but you pick a topic in which i think both of us are well adversed in and uh, we're not alone. I mean, this is one of the biggest, to this day, is one of the biggest franchises ever. It is. It is. And I think on that note, we should, uh, you and I should get into our own personal history. franchises of all time uh you know it's probably one of the deepest it is one of the deepest like fantasy lores i think oh, oh it's, it's gotta be especially in pop culture like, for sure um man i guess my question to you since we're doing our history with star wars uh 
is, do you remember the first time you were aware of Star Wars as a kid? <laughs> I do. There's actually a couple funny stories to this. Um, I had known enough about it to the point where uh, when we were moving, my dad and my mom and my, well, my family, we were moving into my grandparents' house. We, my grandparents were selling it to my parents, and we were cleaning stuff up. And uh, in the sump pump, or one of the drains, we actually found an original Yoda action figure from Empire Strikes Back that my dad must have, my dad or one of his brothers must have, uh, must have left it in there somehow. Dude, that's a treasure. What it was. That's a treasure. It, was. It, it was. I don't know where it went, uh, <laughs> but I was like four. I was like four years old, so I knew it. Um, and it's actually really, really funny because. Uh, the first time I actually went to a movie theater to go see Star Wars, it was 97 when, uh, you know, they were, George Lucas was remaking, you know, everybody's getting hyped for episode right. one and the opening credits, you know, they, 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 the open crawl happens and I passed out. <laughs> I passed, I legit passed out on the movie theater, which is funny because it, my, my dad likes to joke about this all the time. Uh, you know, it's it's funny that I fell asleep the first time I went to a Star Wars movie, but then I became this big mega fan who read all the books, as many books as I can get, gathered the toys, played the video games, watched the movies on repeat, dozens and dozens and dozens. One, so so yeah, that that was those were kind of my early, you know, that was my early knowledge of it. You know, I did have, uh, you know, I do have memories as like you know five six year old playing. Uh, Star Wars, like my dad used to play like the make believe stuff with me as a child, um, and we'd have lightsaber battles. And I remember one of the Christmases I got those toy lightsabers, those big ugly, well they're actually pretty sweet. Those big like lightsabers that light up in the dark, and it was the coolest thing. You couldn't hit hard with them, but uh, they were the coolest. They were just the coolest thing to have. And um, and yeah, we we that's that was like our interaction back when I was I wasn't the only child, but I was the only the only boy uh, child. So all I had was my dad essentially yeah. uh, when it came to to that sort of thing. And and yeah, that so from a very early age, Star Wars had a big impression on me. Yeah, I think well, I know for a fact the first Star Wars movie that I ever saw was not in the theaters. I was born in '83, so like uh, Jedi, Return of the Jedi had just you know. Wasn't out very long by the time I was of age to remember things. Uh, but that was the first movie I saw, uh, first uh, Star Wars movie I saw was Return of the Jedi. And I saw it when, uh, back in the day, <laughs> uh, back in the day, uh, we were lucky enough to have cable, and but we only had basic cable. We didn't have HBO or any of the movie channels back then. But right. those channels would do like free preview weekends and such. And we had, I don't remember if it was Showtime, it was one of those. They had like a free, uh, you know, the free weekend. And they were showing Return of the Jedi. And my parents, and I loved it so much that my parents even recorded, you know, when this is old school, we would take a VHS tape, a blank one, and record what was showing on our TV. Yeah. So they recorded that for me. <laughs> and I watched, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm pretty sure I ruined that tape. Because I watched it over and over and over. I was just blown away by this space opera that was unfolding before my eyes. Keep in mind, I hadn't seen the first two. So I was being introduced to all these characters who already had established lore and such, but I just didn't care. I just automatically, I mean, I got automatically, I knew that Luke Skywalker was one of the greatest things I would ever know, <laughs> you know, 
Uh, and to this day, he's my favorite character. And okay, but man, I just remember that vividly. And I remember being blown away when the when the uh, the ASTs were walking around, getting knocked around by you know the little Ewoks, and how much I just loved because <laughs> also kind of love robots and such. So right, seeing right. these giant, these uh, big walking tanks just looked so cool to me, and they looked so different and strange. And I was like, "This is this is something that's pretty sweet right here," and and that just stayed with me forever. And I did eventually, obviously, go back and watch the other two. And I was like, "Oh, okay, now I know why this stuff made a little bit more sense." But uh, it was just an amazing thing for. I'm trying to remember how old I was. I want to say I was like six ish, seven ish, somewhere around in there, and uh, just realizing how amazing star wars just is in general just so many characters that i gravitated to right away i was you know afraid of darth vader uh even though i knew his ending before the rest of it so i even i even knew how he ended before i knew that he was luke's dad like i knew he was luke's dad the whole time <laughs> because of how i watched this, <laughs> how i watched it uh but it's just man just what a legacy it leaves behind and we're not the only ones that's that's what's crazy about this, you know, that the leg, and we'll get into it, but the legacy of Star Wars is incredible. Oh, yeah, it's, it, it is, like I said before, it's, it's virtually unmatched. I can't think of anything in this, in the world of, of entertainment where, like, you can just spend, like, legit days and days reading stuff, reading new stuff, and like exploring character like history that like they're like secondary uh characters in the movies but they have their own like stream of of actual fiction or like fan fiction which is actually I think is 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 pretty neat and is it's like fan fiction is just really really good right now I've seen some amazing stuff um you know most recently they they I don't know who the person was but they recreated the episode 4 lightsaber battle they extended it and made it more fast paced like the like the modern movies hmm. and yeah it's it's very it's it's very yeah, there's, impressive there's a stuff. lot of a lot of really good just like fan films too of uh, star wars uh, and i was going to ask you this because i am a little bit older than you but i know uh you you definitely remember when the phantom menace was coming out I did. Yeah. That was yeah. That was the second. That was the second Star Wars. Actually, in order, it was A New Hope, Phantom Menace. Then I went back and watched Empire and Return of the Jedi. That was my order. Yeah, so you got a book in it at the time. <laughs> in a way, yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so that was the first Star Wars movie I saw in the theater. Was that one? Um, and then I remember I actually saw that one. Strangely enough, I saw that one twice in the theater but not at the same time when it was originally released. I saw it when it first came out, and then uh, this wasn't super-duper long ago. Uh, I think it was before Disney bought Star Wars, though. But uh, George Lucas had planned on re-releasing all the Star Wars movies in 3D. Do you remember this? I do. I remember the first one came out. Yes, um, and I saw that one. To a bunch of And theaters. I saw that one. Yeah. Uh, but then, uh, and I was like, oh, man, I can't wait to see these other ones, because I was going to trog through the some of the... <laughs> Some of the lesser ones, just to get to the how cool the original trilogy was going to be in 3D, just to yeah. check it out, and uh, they never did it. So I was a little bit disappointed in that. Well, I was looking it up. It actually happened, but it didn't. It wasn't like a mainstream thing. Um, it wasn't a, like a mainstream. Like every theater in the world was doing it. So there was a very small amount of places that were doing all those movies in 3D. Hmm. 
uh, I guess. I, I found that out while doing research for this episode. Well, my um, area didn't do it then, but and I'm very saddened by that. Yeah. Oh, neither did neither did mine, which is which is rather unfortunate. Um, but I think my biggest appeal to Star Wars ha- just has always been like the lightsabers, oh, yeah. the 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 action, the characters. You know, I, the Anakin Skywalker Darth Vader character to me is is probably one of my favorite um, characters in in fiction. Uh, you know, in any form of entertainment, comic books. I've always appealed to characters who uh, go from. A, a hero to a villain and I like I always like the in between that's kind of like a lot of my favorite characters are kind of draw that line one of, one of my like, favorite uh, things is when there's a redemption to a character yes, and yeah. that's the best part um, and, and that's a really cool one you know thing too and you know Anakin Skywalker Darth Vader obviously had that moment at the end of Return of the Jedi um, you know and that was one of the biggest re- things his the journey from, I mean, obviously the way that they started the movies, the, the original trilogy, knowing that this was going to happen, but seeing how it all came together was actually fun. You know, sometimes when you know what's going to happen, it, it takes away yeah. from it. But the, the the journey of looking back on Darth Vader's early life, you know, him being found on Tatooine to that, uh, it, it was one of my biggest appeals of this uh, of this movie. Um you know, this the saga essentially it just made it that much that much better uh, for me as as a viewer. Yeah, because basically the original, I mean, not the original, but the um, episodes through, one through three are uh, the telling of the rise of Vader in a way. Um, yes, but yeah, I'm with you on this. Did, have you ever? Um, how do you how do you watch the movie? This is an important question. How do you watch the movies? Do you watch them in, in uh, order of the way they, they came out, in order episodes? Uh, now I watch them in episode order. Uh, yeah, okay. I'm, I'm fortunate enough to have all of them on Blu-ray. I got that big Blu-ray set that came out not too long ago with all the bells and whistles. And yep, uh, yep. I, I usually, I, I want to say about once a year probably. On average, I go back through there and just watch them in episode order. Okay. Have you ever heard of the machete cut? I, I don't know. What is it? <laughs> okay. It's a different way of viewing the original six movies. Um, so what happens is you start at four. Okay. Then you go to five, and then you work your way. You go back. You can you can opt to skip out of one. You can You can skip Phantom Menace, but at least two and three. And then finish up with six because it's a uh, if if you view it from like an overall story perspective, and, and it's actually it's kind of changed the viewing experience for me. Um, I, I gotta say, you know, there, there's this you know Luke's story. Ah, he's he's meeting up, and then Darth Vader has his big reveal that he's Luke's father, and then you, it's like a flashback scenario oh, okay, yeah. through Anakin's time, and then Episode six is legit the culmination of both of those stories, both of those trilogies. Yeah. Um, in a way, kind of like a, in a weird like tree like way. That's that's where both those plot points essentially end up meeting. And I was taught this probably about five years ago, and I gotta say it it it's helped. I didn't think viewing movies in certain ways would help, but this is one of the most intriguing ways to to watch Star Wars. I do gotta I do gotta add that if you haven't tried it. Give it a try. I, I I don't know. I'm I'm a super fanboy, so I appreciated that yeah. that dynamic with with watching it. But but yeah, yeah. I'm definitely gonna have to give that a shot for sure. Yeah, it's a good time. Um, 
But all right, I think that's it for personal history. Let us jump into the history of Star Wars. Which reminds me, I have something here for you. Your father wanted you to have this when you were old enough, but your uncle wouldn't allow it. He feared you might follow old Obi-Wan on some damn fool idealistic crusade like your father did. Sir, if you'll not be needing me, I'll close down for a while. Sure, go ahead. What is it? Your father's lightsaber. This is the weapon of a Jedi Knight. Not as clumsy or random as a blaster. An elegant weapon for a more civilized age. All right. Um... You know, me and Johnny were discussing how to really properly do this uh, episode. We can e- very easily go through the story, you know, the the each individual movie stories uh, and chain it together. But you've all watched the movies. You should know if you're, if you're listening to this episode because you're a Star Wars fan, there's a good chance you understand, um, you know, you, you know what, what happened in the movies. But I think the, the most interesting thing is the behind the scenes. Uh, essentially, and we did this a lot with the Kelvin and Hobbs episode, and I think it worked really well. So I think the behind-the-scenes production stuff for Star Wars is sometimes about as interesting, if not more, than the uh, the actual physical movie. Yeah, for sure. And also, I think with Star Wars in particular, there are a lot of people who are well aware because there's so many super fans of it of the history of Star Wars. So uh, if we don't mention something, uh, it's just because we are going to try our best to uh, put as much as we can into uh, something that's not three hours long. Uh, This could have easily went four or five hours, I think, if we wanted to get into every little detail. There's so much there and so much uh, recorded and written history on Star Wars. Right. No, there was there was a lot, and it's it's been it's been a challenge to try and narrow it down. But uh, let's uh, let's get into it. Pretty much the pew pew uh, the influence. Pretty much the influence of uh, you know what Star Wars, what George Lucas intended, what what his you know what his direction was. Uh, many different influences have been suggested for the Star Wars films by fans, critics, and uh, George Lucas himself. Actually, uh, Lucas acknowledged that the plot and characters in the 1958 Japanese film The Hidden Fortress uh, was a major inspiration, and Lucas also said that the movie influenced him to tell the story of Star Wars from the, view- the viewpoint of the humble droids rather than a major player, uh, which is kind of a neat perspective now that I hear it because C-3PO and R2-D2 major parts along the line um, and big focal points oh, yeah. too. They're always there for sure. Um, and it also played a role in the conception of Darth Vader whose trademark black helmet uh, resembles a samurai helmet intentionally. So which I, that's a pretty cool little tidbit there. I think, I think it's uh, also George- kind of important and you may get into this and I apologize if you do but uh, this oh, is good. not Lucas's first film. No, uh, I think it, uh, his earlier work gets overlooked, but uh, American Graffiti uh, is considered very good, and was the only reason he was even allowed to make Star Wars at all. Yeah, it was actually a two-picture deal um, that you know to be financed. American Graffiti was one; it was approved, and the original draft for Star Wars was not. Um, so he had a fight. It was a big fight to get funding and, and all that. Um, for that, but some other influences on it were uh, Flash Gordon. He actually wanted George Lucas actually wanted to do a Flash Gordon movie, but he couldn't do the right, get the rights. Have you for ever? It, so he just yeah. Have you ever watched any Flash Gordon? Up. 
I have not. I it have is not. fascinating. Uh, I've not seen a lot of it, but you can go back. You can easily find it. And it's definitely old school for sure. I mean, you know, you just got to think of when it was made. And uh, it's I, you can see a lot of the influence there. It's uh, it's definitely a, set up to be like a space opera type thing. And it, you can really see a lot of the influences. Like, you can watch that and be like, man, I, I wish I could come up with my own uh, thing that that makes me feel the way this makes me feel type of deal. So, yeah. Right, I kind of right. encourage anybody just to, you don't even have to watch a whole episode. I mean, they're really short, but they're black and white. They're very, the old, I'm talking the old school ones. Uh, give them a shot and see what you think. Yeah, it might be worth, you know, doing an episode on it without oh, yeah. a doubt. Um. So yeah, Lord of the Rings was also a major influence too. The, you know, the right and wrong and, and this and that. Um, he actually acknowledged in interviews that Gandalf and the Witch King characters in Lord of the Rings influenced Obi Wan and Darth Vader respectively, which I found pretty. That's neat. awesome. Um, and that I mean, this is when the books came yes. out. This is well not, before the is, movies. You know, not even well before yeah. the movies. Um, the screenplays for the original. Lucas's original concept was a swashbuckling space adventure movie. He says the film was a good concept in search of a story. Um, and as we just mentioned, he uh, tried to buy the rights to remake Flash Gordon, but was unsuccessful. Um, and yeah, the, the American Graffiti and this and that. Uh, but yeah, he wrote a short s- story of it um, to kind of sell it. Uh, it was called The Star Wars. It was a 13-page treatment which was a loose remake of The Hidden Fortress, and by 1974 he had expanded the treatment into a rough draft screenplay, which added elements such as the Sith and the Death Star, and once more had the protagonist as a young boy uh, named Anakin Starkiller. And ironically enough, that while this name didn't last, and the spelling of Anakin is very different from what it would be, but um, Starkiller would later be used as the nickname for the protagonist in the Force Unleashed video games. Yes. So, yes, and those are very uh, good, too, by the way. I love those games. Great games. The first one's one of my favorites. Uh, for the second draft, Lucas made heavy simpl- simplifications and also introduced the young hero on a farm with his name now Luke rather than Anakin. Um, and I should point out, the original spelling was A-N-N-I-K-I-N, not, not what it is today, A-N-A-K-I-N. Just a little bit more complicated. Um, Luke Anakin's father is still an active character in the story at this point, so he's not quite... Darth Vader. Um, a wise Jedi Knight and the Force now became a su- supernatural power. Now the next draft removed the character, uh, the father character, and replaced him with a substitute named Ben Kenobi. And in 1976, a fourth draft had been prepared for principal photography and the film was titled Adventures of Luke Starkiller. So that was almost the name. That was almost the name of Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> Star Wars sounds a lot easier. It's, it's a cleaner it name. It does. <laughs> During production, Lucas uh, changed Luke's last name to Skywalker and altered the title to the to just the Star Wars and finally Star Wars. So, or, I mean, his original plan was just to do this one movie. And keep that in mind as you're listening to. He had no intention of it becoming this massive saga that it is today. Um, yeah, at this point, Lucas was film uh, thinking of the film as the only entry that would be made. The fourth draft underwent subtle changes, and uh, it contained the destruction of the empire itself as the death star was said, you know, uh, the destruction of the empire itself as the death star was said to achieve. Possibly this was a result of the frustrating difficulties. Lucas, excuse me, had encountered uh, a ton of pre-production problems throughout it with, uh, 
you know, filming set stuff, uh, just not as much backing. Oh, yeah, the, yeah, the um, studios went, were the studio was all over him too during this. They made it very yeah. they made it very hard. They they pressured him to finish a new hope way sooner uh, than he actually intended to. But let's see. Star Wars was successful, not just successful, but the biggest hit ever made at the time. Lucas decided to use the film as a springboard for elaborate uh, for an elaborate you know, saga, although he considered walking away from the series altogether due to the, you know, the pressures that the outside stuff How to, you know, really come into life. The cast and crew of Star Wars began filming in Tunisia, North Africa, where mid-morning temperatures reached 105 degrees. And uh, many crew members and cast workers thought the movie was a joke. And, and between problems with props and machinery, uh, also Tunisia having their largest rainstorm in many years, it was almost a disaster. Yeah, there, there are and, all kinds of tales you can find that the cast would, would talk about on this. Uh, this was Mark Hamill's first huge thing. He had yes. he had been on like some soap operas and stuff like that before this, but this was his first. This will be his first movie, like his first big break. If it if it worked out, uh, uh, you know, um, Harrison Ford was already a kind of a known name, which is almost the reason why he didn't even get picked to play Han Solo because originally he wanted a nobody, uh, somebody who also hadn't done anything. Um, but it's just it's just really strange when you go back and hear all these casting stories like uh, Carrie Fisher, you know, she's really young in this. Like she's super young. She's barely 20, right? If I'm thinking right. Yeah. I think barely 20 yeah. at this point. And uh, like they're even telling her she needs to lose weight at this time. And she's <laughs> flipping small. <laughs> she's a, a, twi- yes. a twig as it is. <laughs> yes. Like her, her outfit in the movie looked huge on her as yeah. it was um, in the original movie. Uh, but yeah. And then uh, of course you got, uh, Sir Alec Guinness, who I don't think people realize how much of a respected actor he was. He kind of just casting him in this movie kind of helped bring some uh, some gravitas to it a little bit. It did. He didn't no, even want to be a. He's seen the original yeah, script and he hated it. And even afterwards, he hated it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but that's neither here nor there. But I just found it really fascinating how how like uh, they all these people got casted into this. It's just such a a fun story that you can kind of look back at. Because these are iconic it, people now. Yeah, with without a doubt. Um, I mean, Alec Guinness is an ex- absolute legend, um, and he was actually kind of the big positive role model on the set. Like a lot of the a lot of the cast was was pretty disgruntled. They were like, "Oh my god, this is a disaster!" You know, this and that. We should pull out. Um, and and no, <laughs> yeah. he was he was the one like, "No, we're we're trudging." Yeah, I'm forward. too uh, I'm too immature yes. for you to say pull out. Just so you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I thought that instantly as soon as I after I said it. Um, when Lucas saw, it, you know, they did all the filming, this and that. Uh, Lucas saw the first cut of the film, and he was he was hor- he was he was terrified. Uh, Lucas was told he only had a few weeks to finish all of his filming because uh, Fox Studios hated that he, they hated George. They weren't very fond of George Lucas at this point, and his quote unquote kids. Yeah, he movie, only really had uh, like one one person who was happened to be one of the higher ups there kind of having his back. Everybody else was like, we need to get this done type of deal. Yeah. And it was, it was Steven Spielberg actually. Yeah. Cause they actually became friends, uh, through this yeah. process. Yep. Um, and Steven, I don't, and we're going to cover Steven Spielberg at one point. We have to, uh, but a, you got to remember, this is not too long after jaws and jaws will be another film. I want us to cover at some point too, because it's important to pop culture, but uh, he had issues with Jaws. Like these, 
you can kind of parallel Star Wars and Jaws in a way, just from the production standpoint of the, all the issues each would have, because they would constantly be, be uh, pushed back with different things. They would have all kinds of uh, issues that would make it almost difficult to, you know, film certain things that they wanted to film. Uh, the studios yeah. were all over them, both trying to get stuff done. Both of them were relatively new uh, comers when it comes to directing big budget things. So there's a, there's a lot of parallels. So you can kind of see why these two sort of uh, hit it off for a friendship because they had a lot in common. Really, they both understood what the other had gone through. It, yeah. Oh, seriously. I mean, it's it's kind of cr- like crazy reading this stuff, and you, we really don't know how much drama goes on behind these film sets. You think just all the filming and all that just goes oh easy peasy smooth sailing? No, it's it's not even in the slightest. But um, but. George Lucas, he reached his deadline. He finished filming. He played it uh, in front of Fox executives without the musical score just yet. Um, but actually, the Fox executives loved it. Uh, so he finally earned their stamp of approval. And then he had uh, John Williams, who just did this movie score for Jaws. Uh, Spielberg actually recommended him. What and, a smart move. Uh, what a smart move, <laughs> Oh, my move, gosh. Man. I mean, just as he had done with Jaws, you know, Williams comes in and just – just crafts this iconic score for a film. I mean, how amazing is that? I could not remotely picture Star Wars with uh, like a 70s soundtrack. You know, it's got to have the orchestra. It's got to have what Williams created for it. It, it can't be, you can't have, uh, you know, all along the Watchtower playing, <laughs> playing during the scene or something. It just doesn't work. But what Williams did is stunning in my opinion and really for me seeming at him as somebody whose scores i would always look forward to in any movie i knew he was making a score for yeah it was i still listen to the soundtracks to this day Same. like it's it's so well done um, one of the first this is no yeah. lie one of the first uh cds i ever bought was besides uh three doors down uh was uh uh the the soundtrack to the score to um Phantom Menace because I just love to score so much. Yeah, me too, man. Me too. It was oh so good. I can't say there's a bad song on like on any of those albums. I really can't. Um, but but yeah, when Star Wars opened up on May twenty fifth, nineteen seventy seven, uh, it was it it started off in only like a handful of theaters, like maybe forty. Everybody expected uh, it to a, fail. Like everybody thought it yeah. was going to be a a big nothing, like a big. You know, as a, as we say down here in the south, a fart in the church. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was so bad that Lucas didn't even, couldn't even find like he couldn't even market his own film. Uh, he wanted to get toys, and only one company actually took him up on it: Kenner Products. Well, what a smart move! A huh? bunch of, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they eventually went out of business when Star Wars stopped being a th- yeah. you know thing for fifteen years. But but that saved um, them at the time. Though. But yeah, they were they were struggling. We were going to cover. Uh, like there's a whole subset of, uh, there's a great show on Netflix called, um, the toys that made us amazing. Yeah, it's an amazing show and they cover star Wars toys and that's the story of Kenner really. So I highly recommend that if you have not seen it, uh, listeners go check it out for sure. It is really educational and like, if you grew up with these toys, like, like we did, it's just incredible to see this. They cover more than just star Wars, obviously, but the star Wars one, especially I do recommend. Yeah, oh, it's it's really good. And I do got to point out, too, my dad always loves telling me this story. He was out in, 
Los Angeles actually at the time, and he's seen the movie at that TCL Chinese Theater, which was really cool. Uh, you always see pictures of that, you know, referencing from that opening day. But um, him and like my, I think my grandfather, my, uh, I don't know what the situation was. Obviously, way before my time, but there was a connection with they used to drive out to California all the time. They take two week vacations, uh, which man, I wish I could afford <laughs> that. that. Sounds amazing already. Uh, <laughs> But but yeah, one of the he he first seen the original Star Wars at the TCL Chinese Theater, uh, which is which is a really famous. Yeah, it's an icon. It's an theater. iconic movie theater. Yeah, it is absolutely gorgeous. Um, but yeah, within a month, uh, everybody, every almost every theater had it. Uh, people were going to see it over and over and over again, and Kenner actually ran out of toys. Kenner Products actually ran out of toys. By early fall, well, so yeah, they they famously October. didn't have the toys ready in time for that Christmas. So, like, they did that really famous thing where you kind of pre-ordered in a way the toys, and you yes. got that stand instead, and they said, "Hey, these are coming soon. We promise." Type of deal, and that thing blew up. <laughs> yeah, it, they call it the empty box scheme, and it was actually really cool. Yeah, um, but Fox's stock rock, shot up. And merchant, they couldn't keep merchandise on the sh- on the shelves, and Lucas got very rich. Um, well, you also you also got to realize during this time that uh, I mean, sure there were merchandise toys, there were for sure, but nothing to the effect of what Star Wars would become. That would change the game when it comes to merchandising and toys, especially uh, Jaws. Before it was the biggest movie, uh, biggest uh, money maker blockbuster. Was, Jaws was like the first summer blockbuster, basically. Uh, and it wasn't until Star Wars came out a few years later that something even came close and eventually surpassed it. Yeah, yeah. With without, I mean, just everything. That's all kids wanted. It's funny because I actually owned a couple of the original ones. I, there's a store around here in Buffalo called Dave and Adams, and they have all the original Star Wars toys. They're not packaged like uh, in the original way. Obviously, they'd be super expensive, but it, it's kind of cool. You see, like the way the old lightsabers. Oh were. yeah. <laughs> They were <laughs> they're very strange looking, right? They're very, yeah. very strange looking. They almost yeah, they kind of fold up into themselves, right? If I'm thinking right. Yeah, yeah. It goes right, and it's yeah. It just looks looks goofy, but but yeah, I have a few of them, and it's just kind of funny how that all worked, um, and looked essentially. But but yeah, so they they did really good. They were not expect expecting it. Uh, currently, it is the second highest. American grossing film of all time with uh, inflation included, second only to Gone with the Wind. Well, you, you gotta so. you gotta remember. Um, I mean, I keep bringing up Jaws because I think they're great comparisons to each other. Uh, Jaws was like one of the movies where nobody expected anything of it either, but they would see lines around the block just to get into the movie theater, and people started doing repeating viewings, which really hadn't happened before. And then Star Wars took that and like quadrupled all that. You know, they. Uh, they People would go see it not just twice; they'd go see it three or four times. They'd bring friends with them, that type of deal. Say, so, "Hey, you got to see this movie." Uh, so this yeah. thing was incredible. I mean, the word of mouth on this one, especially, was was mind blowing. Because at the time, you got to realize they. Uh, I don't. I know they get a lot of <clears throat> a lot of uh, praise for their special effects, but they really don't get enough for it because this was like something you. If if I was an eight year old kid at this time. And I saw Star Wars, A New Hope, and these, I mean, it opens up with a giant spaceship, you know, just flying over the screen, coming into the screen. Like, I'm hooked from there. Yeah. 
they did a really cool. I seen a picture of George Lucas too, um, with all those props. I mean, that was that wasn't really CGI. That was like those were like that's all practical, built models, yeah, practical stuff, all practical. Uh, which was, I mean, that's even more amazing yes. uh, that they did that and made it look as as crisp as they did. Um, but yeah, it was nominated. Star Wars eventually nominated for ten Oscars, including Best Picture, and won six of them. But um, it was kind of a, a you know an F you to Fox from Lucas's part that this was not a kids film uh, essentially um, that it was bigger than what they all had given him flack for. But, yeah, I would uh, consider it. I would the, consider it an everybody film. I don't. I don't think it's just a certain age. I think so yeah. too. I think so too. Um, and that's the best part of it. Uh, but now we get into Empire Strikes Back, and he actually he's a millionaire at this point. He's making buku bucks, uh, and began taking screenplays for Episode Five and Six and turning them into films. And he also, uh, at this time, smartly uh, would—I uh, think it was when it comes to the toys and such—he was like, "Hey, we should make toys of these, and I want all the rights to that, basically." So he would make yeah. all the money from that. And the studio was like, you're not going to make anything. We don't care. <laughs> and they just like, oh, yeah, you can have it. They basically just gave it to him without much of a fight from all the things I've seen and read. And, Which is, and that's yeah. where he made most of his money. That's 100% true. He, um, Yeah, he, I mean, the studio is kind of... He's the complete uh, opposite I mean, not... of uh, Bill Watterson, who we talked about in the last episode. Because <laughs> Bill Watterson, if you go back and listen to the Calvin and Hobbes, he, he was... He is famously known for not wanting to merchandise his his characters out. Yeah, that's all Lucas wanted, but he couldn't get the support <laughs> yes, for it. Complete opposite here. <laughs> uh, yeah, without a doubt. But he, yeah, he made it happen. Um, it was also around this time that he planned for a prequel and a sequel trilogy. Um, he had the rough script idea for that. Uh, in early, early excuse me, early 1978, Lucas began working on uh, Empire, and didn't he mostly uh, pay for the production of Empire himself? I thought I'd read that somewhere. He did. He asked for no funding, so there was no say in uh, you know in how things happened. Actually, a big deal at the time of A New Hope was that uh, people had, didn't before in, in cinema movie credits happened before. Right. Yes. The movie. This is, I don't think and people realize Lucas this. this is like, a good story here. Yeah, and Lucas didn't want it. He's like, no, it's not happening. The studio fought for it. Some people fought for it. He goes, no, it's 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 happening at the, the end. The Screenwriters Guild, that, I think it was, wanted to like take the movies out of the theater. Yes, that's exactly what it was. Um, so, I mean, legit, just uphill battle, um, you know, regardless. for uh, ne- Never ended for George Lucas. I mean, seriously, it never did. Um but filming began mid to uh, late 1978 with the snowy planet of Hoth scenes being filmed in Norway. Um, but it happened again. Uh, in episode four, they, uh, you know, Tunisia experienced its worst rainstorm, and then Norway suffered its worst snowstorm in years. And Mark Hamill got into a car accident, and they actually adapted um, part of the story to accommodate him and the way he looked when he got messed up by that... Uh, the um, oh, what's that monster? Uh, <laughs> the, the monster and hoth, the I, ice monster is what you're talking about. The ice monster and hoth, yes. The, uh, um, I can't think of the abominable snowman, basically. Pretty much, um, you know, and everything with that. That was we're gonna get we're gonna get raked through the coals for not remembering that monster's name. <laughs> I know. I'm so ashamed. I'm so ashamed. I'm looking at the Lego figure right now, and I'm so ashamed. <laughs> 
Um, oh boy. Uh, but yeah, they accommodated that, um, and they had to. They actually filmed a scene in the snow while the uh, most of the crew was staying in their hotel rooms too. Um, so like, they were just kind of just, hey, come here, let's film this scene really quick and go back. Um, pretty wild stuff. Uh, since Lucas wanted this movie to be bigger and more spectacular than the original Star Wars, which was at once Empire Strike Wampa. Back, uh, strikes back. Wampa. Yes, I knew it. Um, tip of my tongue. Once Empire Strikes Back came out, they actually added on A New Hope to the original Star Wars. Because um, like we said, it was only supposed to be a one-off. Um, but they wanted more you know, more characters. They introduced uh, Lando Calrissian, who would be the you know first African-American Star Wars character. Uh, a two-foot puppet named Yoda. Uh, and actually, Yoda's original name was supposed to be Minch Yoda. He's, he he went through quite a few uh, different uh, versions of him before he became the Yoda we love and know now. Uh, Yoda uh, especially stands out to me because when I was in high school, uh, I hung out with a lot of kids who were uh, very much into Star Wars as well. And overall, it's not even close. Yoda was pretty much everybody's favorite character in Star Wars. Yeah. Oh, it was... Uh... Yeah, it just super popular. Like I said, it, it, when I seen that figure coming out of the drain, the drain pipe, and I was like four or five years old, I, I knew, I, I knew, yeah. you know, I knew who. And it, it was. helps that I've I've loved uh, Jim Henson and puppets for for as long as I can remember, and this is like putting two worlds together. That it's incredible for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. Um, yeah, and then this obviously was the big scene with where Vader, uh, you know tells Luke that he's his father and this was not a part of the script this was not public knowledge and Mark Hamill was told minutes before shooting that scene uh, but they did not tell David Prowse who was the actor who uh, played the physical body of Darth Vader Yes, uh, uh, Prowse is a happening? fascinating figure uh, there's a really good documentary just about him that's out I can't remember what it's called I'm sorry but uh, just basically uh, what all he went through and uh and how he would even have to fight, you know, years and years later, uh, just to even get invited to like conventions and stuff, you know, because uh, uh, when you think Darth Vader, Darth Vader kind of is so iconic that you don't even think about who was underneath the mask. You either think Darth Vader or James Earl Jones. You don't even really consider yeah. the actor portraying Darth Vader. Yeah, it's it's kind of there's videos on YouTube where you listen to uh, him talk. Without James Earl Jones, it's actual David Prowse, right. and it just sounds major, so bad. It's a major difference for sure. So <laughs> yes. bad. But what they told him to say, um, yeah, what they told David Prowse to say to kind of help Luke along with the scene was, no, Obi-Wan killed your father. Um, so when they James Earl Jones recorded the actual line, so they threw off the entire, pretty much most of the cast, and that would have been a huge, um, that would have been a huge swerve as well. Uh, but many people believe that the sequel would not be as good uh, as the original Star Wars, and it was had an iffy original opening reception, but it eventually became a cult classic. However, uh, it's still the lowest-grossing Star Wars movie of, of all time. Is that not wild? I think so. I think I, I think so. I mean, I, Empire Strikes Back is probably one, definitely one of my favorites, it, and everybody seems to love it. Empire. Um, if you ask anybody, uh, just 
you know, just ask them which one's the best Star Wars film. If you just say that, it's almost 100% they all say Empire. And it just blows me away that it, out of all the Star Wars movies, it made the least. <laughs> because it's yeah. universally considered the best one of all of them. It is. Oh, it, it really is. And I, I, I can't talk to, I haven't talked to anybody who didn't love Empire. Well, how can you not love um, Empire, just... man? I mean, it's got it's got everything you want in it. It's even with a bummer of an ending, really. It's still incredible <laughs> because uh, it does a great job of setting up the third one for sure. But also, I mean, just the opening battle on Hoth is incredible. You got these giant, you know, at at walkers, just these g- literally lumber- lumbering walking tanks, like I said before, but the giant version of them. And when I first saw those, I was like, "This is the greatest thing I've ever seen." I mean, I just love this. That battle on Hoth is one of my favorite things in, in just, it, definitely in Star Wars, but it just, in, honestly, in cinema, just that battle there, because it was uh, so eye-opening for me of what you could do, you know, with with uh, technology at that time is is incredible. Yeah, that one of the best movie scenes of all time. Often, like, repli- try, people try to replicate it, but they can't duplicate it. Uh, hint, hint, Ryan Johnson. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, then Return of the Jedi came out. And it was the next really film on, you know, on the way out. And it did relatively well. I mean, Empire left a huge cliffhanger. Oh, huge my gosh, yeah. You can't get much of a better, bigger cliffhanger than that. Then they have to sit and wait three years to do it, uh, to really view it. Um, but, yeah, after Jedi came out, it broke the single and opening uh, – Day box office records uh, for May twenty fifth, nineteen eighty three, and um, unfortunately at this time George Lucas's wife divorced him and left him to raise his children. Um, he had every intention of going right into the prequel trilogy, but because of his life got so hectic, he put it on pause. But um, yeah, very you know, Return of the Jedi. I know that's your personal favorite, Johnny. Um, so much emotion, and this is the redemption angle, pretty much for Darth oh, Vader. Oh yes, for sure. Uh, where they where they made him seem more human than ever, and this is why I love that character as much as I do. I think I, this is the part that always got me when I mean, with anything that gets huge and people love it, they're going to tear it apart at the same time. Uh, but it's which is strange to me. But uh, you know, when the uh, when the, uh, the the ones in the ninety, the late nineties, early two thousands came out, the episodes one, two, and three. One of the main criticisms people had was that Anakin slash Darth Vader was kind of, uh, they would say he was whiny. They would say, like, well, this isn't Darth Vader. You know, Darth yeah. Vader didn't have any feelings or any of this kind of stuff. He's just a, you know, he's just this walking villain, pretty much. But go back and watch Return of the Jedi. He literally, uh, you know, he literally saves his son's life. And that last scene where, he, you know, he asks... Luke to take off his mask so he could actually lay his own eyes on his own son. I mean that—that's always been there. That's there's heart to, to Darth Vader despite all the terrible things he obviously did. Uh, that's when he comes back. That's when Anakin comes back, and that's why I never understood all the criticism that character got. You got to have this redemption. You can't just have him. He's not the Joker. You can't just have him have you know just be this <laughs> maniac. It's not who he ever was. He was never even that in these original. The original trilogy. No, he no. It was a just yeah, great roller coaster. I mean, when you look at the overall picture now in hindsight, you know the overall storyline of Anakin, um, it's it's amazing. I mean, obviously, Return of the Jedi, Darth Vader is night and day difference from 
a new hope. I mean, yeah, and the whole time, any time during this original trilogy, when Luke comes up, you can tell Darth Vader is is sort of trying to save him in a way because he's like, yeah, we can bring him over to our side. We we don't need to just kill him. We can bring him over to our side. That type yeah. of deal. Absolutely. And there's so much extra lore that goes hand in hand with that too that I wish we can get into. But um, but yeah, one of the original planned endings for uh, Return of the Jedi, actually, I did want to do this tidbit before we take a commercial break, um, was that Obi-Wan, Yoda, and even Darth Vader as Anakin would just come back to life. They wouldn't be Force Ghosts. They'd be actual come back to life as in physical form. Well, um, yeah, that, I did not know not that. Um, but but yeah, that that didn't pan. You know, obviously didn't pan out. I think it might have been for the better, probably. I, I mean, think so. Had a lot of stuff. And it's always uh, better because it means their deaths before actually meant something. Uh, yes. So I'm all for it. The keeping it how they did. Absolutely. All right, we're going to get into the prequel trilogy after this quick commercial break. You were the chosen one! It was said that you would destroy this and not join them! Bring balance to the force, not leave it in darkness. All right, so yeah, like like I mentioned before, a little bit before the commercial break, uh, after getting a divorce in '83, he lost a lot of his money and did not want to, did not had no intention of doing his prequel or sequel trilogy. Um, but he didn't have he, to. He, he was a little, made man just off no. merchandising, honestly. Exactly, exactly. And then on but, top of that, he op- he started the uh, the Lucas. Uh, films and the Lucas um, when they were doing their uh, special effects work stuff, they were making money from that too because they're doing it for other movies. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Um, yeah, he he had he had enough funding despite his divorce. He had enough funding to do to live life as as really he he, he could be comfortable but, for sure. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but actually, he he ended up following through with canceling the sequel trilogy, which is now what we're going through now. He had an entirely different plan. Uh, for it than what Disney has come up with, um, but but yeah, but the prequels were fascinating to him. He had the overall storyline pretty much written out, and Star Wars got really hot uh, around the time of Dark Horse's. They had a comic book line, uh, the Thrawn trilogy novels, or excuse me, Dark. That's that's a separate thing. Dark Horse's comic line and Timothy Zahn's Thrawn trilogy novels, and there was still a large audience. And so, 1993, he started working on getting the prequels. Have you uh, have you uh, read underway. those Zon books? I have not, but it was something I would like to recap on the panel. Discussion. They're very good. Um, I yes, they? they're really good. 
It's been a while since I've read them, but I remember getting them when I was younger, and and they're not easy reads. They're there's a lot to them. They're pretty thick from what I remember, uh, but it's just such a fast pace moving thing that, and a lot of your characters you remember and love are in there. So, oh man, I yeah, uh, I can't wait for you to read them and we can discuss those. <laughs> yeah, I I definitely would like to. Um, so what they I mean they they had a pretty much easy storyline to go through. Um, we just, you know, with the prequel trilogy, just follow Anakin's upbringing. And he became the main protagonist, essentially, of the story. And, and just really filling in. That's why I like the way that George Lucas did it. You know, the last, the the original trilogy first, 4, 5, and 6, then going backwards. It, it helps with storyline planning quite a bit, actually, if you think about it. Um, but, yeah, this is the final step towards turning it into a saga. 1994 was the first screenplay written. Um, but he, a lot of the, you know, the the original trilogy, excuse me, the prequel trilogy got a lot of flack. Um, that was because Lucas did a lot of the stuff on his own. Um, he did not want to write and direct at the same time, but he ended up doing both of those. And Lucas, unfortunately, was not very well known for his, his writing. Um, yeah, it, it, it took a lot of flack, but, um, yeah, it, it came out to big buzz and, I mean, episode one, that was that was the first one I seen in the movie theaters. I remember I still remember the hype to this day, you know, with Kmart and Toys oh, R Us gosh, yeah. and, and and all these places they have the big signs up and everybody's excited. And they're re releasing Star Wars excuse me, they're re releasing Star Wars figures and I loved it. I seen it in the theaters twice and I'll never forget getting the VHS tape, uh, of it. I was just yeah, I remember, so yeah, I never like I get why some people really kind of bash it. Like, I understand. But at the same time, while I do kind of agree that Lucas might not be the best writer, but he, to me, is really incredible when it comes to creating characters. Uh, I mean, I know, uh, obviously, there's a character in it is in, the, in this trilogy that people really love to hate on. Uh, but they also had Darth Maul. Uh, you also really fleshed out Obi-Wan. You know, there's just some amazing... To me, there's some also more amazing character moments instead. That The the second that Darth Maul shows up, I'm like, who's this guy? This guy looks freaking awesome. And then and then he has that really sweet lightsaber. And he you know... Yeah, that was unique at yes. the time. Uh, and and I, I remember distinctly when I was in the theater, my jaw dropping when the other part of that, uh, that lightsaber, when he unleashes it, and, it's, and there's two of them on it. I was like, "This is the greatest thing I've ever seen." It was it was so cool. I, my cousin had got to be Darth Maul for Halloween. He got the mask. He had the double sided lightsaber. I got to be Obi Wan that yeah. year. Oh, I was so excited to get my Obi Wan lightsaber in the setup. My sister was uh, Queen Amidala, and <laughs> and yeah, just the merchandise thing was just unreal. It's Queen Amidala herself. Amidala. Oh, oh those are my favorite characters because they sound like they're supposed. to. It's Dracula. It's Queen Amidala herself. <laughs> Dude, those costumes, man. I guess a couple of people quit because they couldn't handle the costumes for uh, the Trade Federation. Aliens, they got to be hot. But... There's no way they're comfortable. No, I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, but yeah, episode one, it didn't get as good as, you know, some negative reviews. They hated Jar Jar, unfortunately, but it still made, like, a lot of money. Um Let's see what's it grossed more than nine hundred million dollars worldwide. <laughs> yes, which that's is incredible. Like, yeah. It's it's really really good, um, especially as as 
you know, anticipated as it was. But I mean, they they did a really good job casting. Ewan McGregor played a great, you know, young. Yes, Obi-Wan. to the point they where I'm lead. excited they're bringing him back for that same role. I'm yes. very excited for this. Obi Wan would quickly become my second favorite Jedi, only behind Luke Skywalker. So, uh, I really truly love Obi Wan. Yeah, I no, I do too, man. I had po- I had all the posters, action figures, anything I could get my hands on. Uh, and then you got Liam Neeson, man, Liam freaking Neeson, uh, to play a role. Qui Gon Jinn, uh, you know, pretty much sets the path of getting Anakin as as a Jedi. And this and that. He played such a great role. And I, I really enjoyed Qui-Gon's character. I would have liked to see more from him. But that's why the wonderful expanded universe exactly. Same thing with Same thing with Darth Maul, honestly. I mean, Darth Maul gets a second life because of the animated series. But yeah. before that, I mean, just in the movies, I mean, they... I remember at the time being really disappointed that he gets taken out during the first movie. Because I just wanted to see him again. Because I thought of how cool he was. Uh, but you know, that's why the extended universe exists because we got the, the animated series is incredible by the way. Um, but you like, you get more Darth Maul in that and you get more backstories from the other characters and you get introduced to new characters. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's sad that these characters we love get taken out in the first movie that they're in. This happens a lot in star Wars lore, by the way. (laughs) It does. Uh, It really does. But it's still very cool because, uh, a character will take off. I mean, look at the original trilogy. We didn't even talk about the bounty hunters and how they kind of took off. Yeah. Boba Fett, yeah. IG 88, uh, so many great. Characters. And they were barely in the movie. So. Yeah. Yeah. There's a whole expanded universe chain for just them too, yeah. which is, you know, this is always fun to see. Um, but yeah, the hype was real. I was excited for episode two myself. I was uh, too. When attack yeah. of the, when attack of the clones came out, you get Hayden Christensen takes on the, older Anakin and I thought he did a great job he was kind of ran out of Hollywood after that like, he got a lot of criticism from these movies even the, it was, even the kid movie. that played young, young Anakin got a lot of flack yeah Jake Lloyd and he's just a, yeah, he's just a flipping kid <laughs> I know I know it's like, yeah, leave, he's, a, he's a child be. leave him alone <laughs> I hate the I really hate the age of the internet I really do. yes um, <laughs> we're our own worst but, enemy honestly <laughs> we are we are. But, yeah, we get to see this older role. This Anakin finally has a Jedi. He's with Obi-Wan. He's Obi-Wan's apprentice. Obi-Wan's older. Um, you get to see the relationship between Anakin and Padme develop. Uh, Chancellor Palpatine looking a little more aged. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can definitely tell he's heading towards his emperor's side. Uh, you introduce Jango Fett, Boba Fett's dad. There's a lot of crossover here with the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy that starts with episode two. And, I mean, just, just more great actors. You got the great Christopher Lee, who played Count Dooku. Yes. Uh, and you get May, uh, Mace Windu, played by Samuel yes, Jackson. Even though you. he was in the first one, he had a more prominent role in this one. Uh, and then you get a digitized Yoda, who can do a lot more than just be a, uh, a puppet. That was my only... When I was... <laughs> that was my main uh, thing I didn't like about the, the newer trilogy, is I'm such an old-school nerd when it comes to puppets and stuff. That I would have preferred yeah. he would have stayed the puppet. I understand, hundred percent get why they went the route they did because you can do more with him, uh, and he needs to do some more with because he actually has fight scenes in this trilogy, uh, which right. would not have worked with a puppet. I don't think. Obviously, it would have been a lot harder to do for sure. Uh, <laughs> but I just love practical effects so much, uh, and a lot of that stuff at the time. If you go back and watch how they look at the time, is a little rough to watch now because of how far we've come now, but. Uh, at that time, that stuff was groundbreaking, really. I mean, the fact that Yoda could jump around and have a fight with Dooku was pretty amazing. 
Yeah, that was a great fight. I remember like laughing initially. I was like, whoa, this is going to happen. And it did. And I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. Yes. And now I want to see more Yoda. Yes, 100%. And, like, it helped Yoda's legend out so much more. Uh, and it just made me even more anticipated for episode three, which came out a, uh, just a few years later, 2005. And the the ending. The ending was, like I said, determined way back when Empire was being planned out. Uh, that was the backstory that George Lucas had planned that, you know, Anakin – Lost to Obi Wan on the side of a volcano, and man, what a you know, eventually scene! Became Darth Vader. You know, what a scene! Emotional. Oh my gosh! When when Obi Wan looks down at Anakin, who's literally on fire at this point, and says, "I loved you," you know, like a brother. And this is you know this yeah. is, and Anakin screaming back at him how much he hates him. I mean, yeah. oh, what a scene! So powerful, so powerful. And that and fight, that whole lightsaber it, fight, was one. I still to this day think it's one of the best lightsaber fights they've had in Star Wars. I don't even I don't even say it just as a lightsaber battle. I think one of the greatest final movie battles of all time. Um I, I really with the emotional intensity of it, it and the the back and forth, the acrobatics, it was it was very, very well done. And it helped on the flip side that you're kind of inserting you're inserting the Yoda versus Palpatine clips yes. too. Um this movie had a record five lightsaber battles. And it, that hasn't been topped. It probably won't be topped. I don't see that happening in Episode Nine. I really don't. Um, but this was—I mean—it really showed off. It—it it was a last-ditch effort. They did, George Lucas this is probably his best uh, writing for the original, the, the prequel trilogy. I think so. They—they they focused on the story. They—they they knew what they wanted to do. You got to push all the stuff, and, you know, to, to help Anakin's character yeah. along. To get the emotion, Darth Vader. yeah, the emotional beats work better in this one than the other two. I felt yes, for sure. Yes. Uh, we get some General Grievous, who's a freaking awesome character. Great character. Yeah, I mean, I was sad that he got taken out so quick, too. But uh, the animated stuff is really good with him. So, uh, you know, the, if you love these characters that get taken out, there's they're still around in the animated series, which a lot of people uh, kind of sleep on for some reason. I don't get it. They're, it's so good. Yeah, comic books, literally yeah. expanded, like novels, and, and there's so much stuff. But, the, the, yeah, the cartoons are very, very well done. But, yeah, this was a great combination uh, of just everything. Uh, connected a lot of dots, you know, connected a lot of dots between the original and prequel trilogy. And this is my second favorite movie uh, of it all. Empire has a much better story, but I think the action, obviously the action is leagues better in Empire. It was just crazy. Just one, you know, swift motion. The entire Jedi Order is destroyed. Uh, and this con that... Palpatine had been running through the you know the first trilogy, uh, or geez, I keep saying the first, the prequel trilogy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it finally comes to light, and you get to see you know this the ending. You get to see Hayden Christensen in the Darth Vader suit, which is something he tried very hard to get. Um, George didn't want him to do it at first, but he actually requested to be in it. They made special stuff for him to walk around in it. Um, you can see the Death Star and Obi-Wan going to hiding, Yoda going to hiding, the, the the twins, Luke and Leia, being dropped off at the uh, the Lars homestead. And yeah, it literally sets everything up. I mean, even Obi-Wan saying, I'll watch after the boy, you know. Uh, so he, he's going to Tatooine with the, with the kid, and he's going to stay there. So yeah. there's all kinds of stuff it, it sets what, up for sure. So much, so much great stuff. Yeah, that lightsaber battle is my favorite. But... Um, but yeah, so Star Wars went away for a little bit, and we're gonna take a quick, another quick commercial break, 
and get into the sequel trilogy. The Jedi are romanticized, deified. But if you strip away the myth and look at their deeds, the legacy of the Jedi is failure. Hypocrisy, hubris. That's not true. At the height of their powers, they allowed Darth Sidious to rise, create the Empire, and wipe them out. He was a Jedi Master who was responsible for the training and creation of Darth Vader. And a Jedi who saved him. Yes, the most hated man in the galaxy. But you saw there was conflict inside him. You believed that he wasn't gone, that he could be turned. And I became a legend. So Disney ends up buying... Uh, the Star Wars property on October 30th, 2012. And they, you know, with the Disney machine behind them, uh, what could go wrong with Star Wars? What could go wrong? Uh, And that's all I'm going to say about that. But no, and seriously, uh, Star Wars Force Awakens came out in, was it 2015? I believe so. Somewhere around in there. I think it was 2015. I was super excited. I was like, man, you know, I originally thought, man, I'll never get to see another Star Wars movie again. And I actually really liked Seven. I do too. And I like, like it a lot. I, I really like Seven. Uh, you know, it follows Ray. It's there's a lot of different themes. You know, going with it, a new cast of characters while keeping up with the old ones. Um, I mean, obviously, it's not perfect. No Star Wars movie is perfect. Uh, at least everything, anything past 1983. But um, I really liked Episode Seven. I, I, I did, and I thought they did a good job setting up a, a sequel trilogy. Now yeah. eight on the other hand, <laughs> yeah eight eight I is very eight with, is very divisive yeah. for sure a hundred percent because I remember when it was coming out like it was critically adored basically I mean on Rotten Tomatoes the score is pretty high for it uh, yeah it, and so I was very stoked to see this one and I remember and was, I saw both of these in the theater obviously and I mean all the new Star Wars I've seen in the theater so I go to see this one and like I come out overall I like I'm such a Luke fanboy. That overall, I overlooked the things that really should nitpick at my brain. Uh, that I overlooked it because I got a lot of Luke in this. You're right. And I was like, oh, it's so awesome. At least I got so much Luke in this. Because there's a lot of Luke. And I was very happy about that. But then, this is one of those films where, after you start thinking about it, and you're like, man, why do they Why do they go this route with this? Right. <laughs> you know, why do, they, why do they do that? Why do they even need this, this scene here? It doesn't really do anything. <laughs> You know, it does. It's kind of bloated in a way. Yeah, uh, it's it's like they it's like they think now that to make a movie be epic, it's got to be getting as close to three hours as possible, and it doesn't need to do that. No, not even in the slightest. That was the first time in a long time that I. Well, okay, I'm not going to say a long time because Fantastic Four did come out that year, but the first time, I, <laughs> the first, <laughs> the first time it was okay. I will say this. Uh, that Star Wars film is better than that Fantastic Four film. Yeah, it's not even that's close. about it. That, yeah, that's about it. Though I left that that theater feeling very underwhelmed, uh, disappointed. I feel like there's too many gotcha moments, too many swerves. Uh, like Johnny said, a lot of things that just didn't add up, and it was they made weird. They made weird decisions, like one of them obviously being how Luke, I guess, technically dies. It just doesn't make any sense to me. I hated that death. Yeah. for such a great because Han Solo had the perfect death for a hero. His death made sense, and it was amazing, and it was, and it meant something, and it it meant something to the story. Now, Luke's death just seems kind of tacked on at the end, and he's not really, you know, and he's, he just kind of fades away. He doesn't really die, in a way. He just kind of disappears, I guess. Yeah, is the way to put it. Uh, so it's really strange. And the other thing, of course, being when uh, Leia's 
Oh, really, honestly, <laughs> honestly, when she shot out into space, <laughs> she should have died there, and that, her death would have meant something there. And it would have it, really it would have made would. sense. Uh, it, it, yeah, yeah. It, it, but it just further villain, you know, helped Kylo Ren's development as a villain. Um, yes, but it just made Which was needed. Yeah, but I was like, oh my god, she's flying through space. This looks so bad. Looks so bad. I don't know. Force flight. <laughs> It was cheesy, I guess. Is the it was so cheesy. Because that's one of the... Th- there's Sometimes a film will get so cheesy. Uh, I, I, I love cheese. Don't get me wrong. I love cheesy things. I truly do. Like, I, <laughs> I'll watch a movie that I know is cheesy because of the cheese. But when something's supposed to be taken as serious... Not that Star Wars doesn't have funny moments. It does. But, you know, but when they do something like that and it comes off cheesy, it takes me out of the movie for a moment. Yeah. For sure, and that point, and that part there was my biggest issue. I hated that more than I hated the uh, the the gambling planet or whatever you want to call uh, that scene. I, I would have kept that a hundred percent and <laughs> and changed that other scene <laughs> if that was a choice uh, for me for me personally. Yeah, there was just too much. I've been watching like videos on it. Like, am I just am I still justified in this? And luckily, I'm not the only one who still feels like that. Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, you know, I do Retro Blist with Trevor, and Trevor is not as big a Star Wars fan as we are. He knows it, of course. He's seen the movies, and he doesn't like them, but it's not like he's a super fan. Right. So he and his wife just recently watched this one, and he was texting me as he was watching it. And he goes, because he liked the other ones, and he uh, he really loved Rogue One. Like, they love Rogue One. Yeah. Which I, that, that movie's fantastic. I wanted, to, I wanted to say that's my favorite one of the new uh, this Disney same, ones. Yep. Same. Yeah, same here. Uh, but... Uh, so he was texting me and he goes, we, uh, we don't like this. <laughs> <laughs> and he was really mad that he didn't like it cause he was really looking forward to it. Yeah. I know a lot of, and I was like, yeah, man, I don't know what to tell you. I, I know, yeah. I know a lot of traditionalists, like diehard Star Wars fans, like really good friends that hated episode eight. I mean, I, I, I legit, I mean, yes, I did like it better than fantastic four that year. Uh, or no, well, fantastic <laughs> four that couple years prior. Um, yeah, but, um, yeah, I just yeah, every fiber of my being I hate that movie. I when I watch that movie, I try to I'm very much a think of the positives and there are positive things in that film. Yeah. Uh so I try to think of that instead and it helps a lot, but uh, you know, there's always a point where you're like why is why are they doing this? This doesn't make any, this part feels really forced. Why are they doing that? Right. You know, like why are we doing all this kind of stuff? Uh But I will also say that you're right. This movie overall is fairly much hated among the the diehard fans. That <laughs> I can't believe we even have to say this. Like th- these people playing these parts are actors and actors. Oh yeah, that was bad. That was too much. Yes, that is ridiculous to go after them like that and making you know and making their lives terrible. Why do you, they did that with uh, Jar Jar Binks? Just a guy who voiced Jar Jar Binks. I'm at best. I mean, why? Yeah. yeah. Why are you doing this? These are <laughs> these are just people trying to make a living. You know. Uh, and it's just, I just hated that aspect of it. That I think to this day, that's the reason why I always forgive this film was because of how people acted so ridiculous toward the people who played in the movie. Yeah. That you can't, you just can't do that. You know, kill it with their, their money. Stop going to see the movie. Don't personally attack. Yes. The people. Exactly. I mean, maybe Ryan Johnson can get a little flack, but no, like that's, I mean, that's, that might even be too far. But but yeah, so episode nine's actually slated to come out this year, this Christmas time. Uh, uh, how excited are you to see it? On a scale of one to ten, how excited are you to see this one? Because isn't it uh, JJ again in charge of this one? I, I'll be honest, man. I think that last one might have ruined. 
any sequel trilogy stuff for me. And I hate <laughs> so to be that the, guy. Uh, this is the WWE Hill on a Cell for you? Yeah. <laughs> this is WWE for the last five years of my lifetime doing it for me. Um, this is... Uh, yeah, I, I just... I don't know. I mean, they're bringing back Emperor Palpatine, uh, which has been... Well, it's been teased, uh, you know, at least. And I, I think that's a cool concept, but... I don't know. I just feel let down. I think Disney has this completely other idea, and I, I get it. It's not – I don't think it's – it's it's more for that younger generation, I, I, I guess, this this newer up-and-coming generation. You know, right. like, yes, that's, that's something that we have to remember too Yeah, is uh, we may not be the target audience anymore. <laughs> Which it hurts. It hurts. Yeah, it does hurt but, because we grew up with it and we love it. Uh, but also, I've maintained this too, and I had to get through this with those recent Ninja Turtle movies because I love Ninja Turtles so much. Yeah. Uh, I got to realize that the younger audience, you got to keep changing something just so it resonates with them because people change over time. That's true. And if I want uh, Star Wars or Ninja Turtles to be around 40 years from now, which I do, uh, then they're going to have to change a little bit whether I like it or not. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. Um, and, and, yeah, it's going to have to keep involving. I may not like it, but it's, if they're still making money, they're still going to keep, you know, doing stuff unless stuff changes. Yeah. You know, Han Solo, the movie Han Solo suffered because of the backlash towards Episode Eight. Not a lot of people took a chance on it. Um, Which, honestly, have you seen it? I mean, I've seen yeah, it. Yeah, I was iffy on it. I, I wasn't thrilled with it. I, overall, I thought it was better than uh, 8. It was better than I 8, it, but it wasn't as good as I thought it could have been. Um, I thought it was fun. Yeah. I liked it. I enjoyed it. I'm just a pessimist um, now. Once, <laughs> once episode <laughs> 8 came out, I was like, I hate Star Wars so much. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm definitely going to still see 9. I, I have to see how they decide to, to finish the arcs for these characters that I've actually grown to like. I like Rey. I like Finn. You know, I, I, I like... Uh, you know, Kylo Ren, I just want to see where they go with these characters. And I might be mad when I see it. Who knows? I probably will be angry at some stuff they decide to do. But I have to I have to know. And that's how they've gotten me. Yeah. <laughs> they've gotten me. I won't I run to the theaters because my, my family likes to go see it. Like, they used to like to do, like, a group viewing. Like, that's a, one way of us getting together for Christmas. Like, aunts, uncles, that sort of thing. I probably won't. I probably won't go right away. I'm not going to run to see that movie. Um, and... And maybe I mean I hope I hope I'm wrong. I hope I end up regretting it. I really do. I love Star Wars and everything that it's came, you know it's it's done for my life. It's uh, you know been an important part of entertainment. When I wasn't a wrestling, you know, when I wasn't necessarily a wrestling fan, wasn't the biggest football fan, wasn't the biggest comic book fan for a period of time. Star Wars was kind of that fo- you know that focal point for me. So I do want to see it return to its glory. I want to see them come out with good content uh you know in the future and there's a lot of stuff to be excited for with disney plus got the mandalorian obi-wan supposed to which looks return. really cool yeah, yeah. Very mandalorian s- looks really cool i like that trailer a lot it does uh so i'm looking forward to that uh there, and like i said too the animated stuff the clone wars uh, animated stuff is very very good you can go back and watch it and i think they're bringing that back too i believe uh so there's a lot of really good star wars stuff coming out even if you feel uh slighted, slighted by that last movie yeah which which i understand but yeah, absolutely. All right, let's get into Matt's stats. All right, what I like to do uh, whenever I can is, is bring up some statistics. I found a website, DisneyNews.us, that had some really cool stats uh, that I'm going to read off for, for everybody um, for this. Uh, Disney purchased Star Wars for the amount of $4 billion. I think that was a, I mean, that's a fair price for where Star Wars was at at the point of purchase. 
Um, currently, with Disney, uh, Star Wars, uh, their franchise net worth is about $10 billion. So they've definitely made their profit back. Yeah, good investment. Very good investment. <laughs> Very good investment. And they got the Star Wars theme park coming out. Like, they're they know they're they're doing all right for themselves. Have you seen that? Uh, they got, like, a life-size Millennium Falcon at the theme park. I'm supposed to go there in April, and I can't Oh, wait. man, I can't wait to hear what you oh. say about that. Because it looks – I've seen video – of it and video people actually riding the ride and it looks flipping amazing. It's, I mean, I used to like the old Star Tours ride that they had. Yeah, um, yeah. that was always a good time. But I'm looking forward to seeing an actual like area dedicated to it. Um, the production budget for Star Wars, the original Star Wars, was 11 million dollars, and they gained uh, the gross box office sales was 775 million dollars. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, it's that's a that's a net plus. Definitely. Definitely. That was one of the bigger gaps, I think, uh, in the original trilogies. Empire, uh, the production budget was $18 million and they brought back $538 million. Still a big gap, you know, nice-sized return. Uh, return of the Jedi, $32.5 million for the budget, and it brought back $475 million. Um, this one's a pretty big one. Star, the Phantom Menace, $115 million was the production budget, and it brought in $1.2 Two zero two seven billion dollars back. So wow. that's a big margin. Um, Attack of the Clones, one hundred fifteen million dollar uh, budget, and oh, they had the same budget as Phantom Menace, and it brought in six hundred forty nine million. Uh, Revenge of the Sith was actually the cheapest uh, as far as production budget, two million less than the other two, uh, one hundred thirteen million. Um, I mean, cheapest as far as prequel trilogies go. $113 million was the budget, and it brought in $848 million. Uh, Force Awakens, $200 million production budget, brought in $2.068 billion. Uh, Star Wars Force Awakens is the fastest movie to gross $100 million at the box office, which was 24 hours from its release on December 18th, 2015. Uh some other stuff here. Um, R2-D2 and C-3PO are obviously the only characters that appear in every movie. Uh, total Star Wars merchandise sales as of uh, as of 2015. This, is, this site has been updated uh, just this past September, but as of 2015, $19.4 billion earned. Um, that's overall merchandise. That's toys, cups, uh, sh- you know, T-shirts, that sort of thing. Um, and in toys, as of 2015, $700 million in toy sales. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, there's some uh, there's some crazy stuff in here. Uh, the, so what you're telling me is that this, this franchise makes money. Yeah, that's kind of an important yeah. thing. Kind of an important thing. Uh, the original number of U.S. movie theaters that were willing to show uh, A New Hope, at only 40. 40 movie theaters across the country. Um, Harrison Ford was paid $10,000 for his role in A New Hope. Alec Guinness, uh, in agreement to be a part of A New Hope, uh, made a deal for 2% of box office receipts. He made $95 million off of that. You know what? I was also going to point this out when it comes to the, the toys and stuff. Yeah. Uh, Star Wars toys are so iconic, so iconic that the knockoffs of Star Wars toys are actually starting to take off. Did you know that? I have heard that. I have heard that. Yes. Yeah. Like these knockoffs that you see everywhere, these are actually getting popular now. <laughs> Which is crazy. Which is amazing. Which, yeah, it's a really cool. That never happens. That never, ever happens. 
Um, let's see. First trilogy uh, action figures sales. Uh, well, numbers sold. 250 million action figures. Uh, there was more than 100 different action figures released for the original trilogy. And the most valuable Star Wars action figure of all time is the rocket-firing Boba Fett from 1979. Right. Uh, because it got changed. They changed it to uh, where the rocket Yeah, it stayed in. Yep. Uh, largest Star Wars collection of all time is 500,000 unique items. And let's see. Total amount of revenue brought in by the entire Star Wars franchise as of May 4th, uh, 2016. It's $32 billion. Uh, number of Lego Star Wars sets sold since 1999, more than 200 million. Uh, I mean, Lego is, a, is another huge deal. They've really helped Star Wars grow. I used to just collect all the Lego Star Wars sets, and I, I would build them. Um, they're a lot of fun. Uh, I have a vast uh, Lego collection, and not just Star Wars, but I have so many of those. Uh, and I've kept all the minifigs from all the ones I've had, so i got some Star Wars ones in there somewhere. And uh, they're... They're just amazing and fun. They are, they, they, and also and also the video, the Lego Star Wars video games so are really really fun. I still yeah. play the uh, the complete saga, the original one. Same, a ton. <laughs> I do too. Just a ton. Um, I'm going 100 percent at one day. That's my goal. <laughs> uh, I've gotten close. You gotten close? Yeah, it's yeah. it's tough, man. It's, it's hard for a children's game, huh? <laughs> yes, honestly, <laughs> I say that when I'm screaming and I can't do something like this is for kids. <laughs> and lastly, the most expensive piece of Star Wars memorabilia of all time is George Lucas's Episode Four Panavision camera. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot more stats you can really dig up, but uh, let's get into Johnny Townsend's. Did you know? The Emperor has been expecting you. I know, Father. So, you have accepted the truth. I've accepted the truth that you were once Anakin Skywalker, my father. That name no longer has any meaning for me. It is the name of your true self you've only forgotten. I know there is good in you. The Emperor hasn't driven it from you fully. All right, so this was kind of tough because I think a lot of this stuff people may already know, but I try to pick the ones that appealed to me personally, and some of these I actually did not know. So uh, let's start out with uh, George Lucas's initial draft was considered too. You almost kind of touched on this, but it was considered too long. But when he was shopping this around to the studios, and that's why some of the bigger studios passed on it. Like, you know, this is this is too long. We don't want to make this. It's going to cost too much. Uh, Harrison Ford, I think this is something everybody kind of knows, uh, originally was not going to be Han Solo. They were just using him to uh, kind of help other actors who were trying out for parts and read and, and, and do a reading with them. That makes sense. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so in other words, like, you know, uh, Luke would come in and he was, uh, or Mark Hamill would come in and he's doing a reading with, with uh, Harrison Ford. And Harrison Ford is just feeding him the lines. And then, but they liked Harrison Ford's, so much like yeah he is Han Solo so that's how he got the part <laughs> uh, sound designer Ben Burt is actually iconic now because of the sounds of this movie uh, so uh, what's really interesting about him to me was he was fresh out of college this was like the first thing he did was Star Wars uh, and here's just a couple of the sounds that he made that are you know that I found fascinating Chewbacca obviously Iconic character. Uh, his roar is a combination of a bear, a lion, a walrus, and a badger. Holy shit. Uh, the, 
the Tuscan Raider, you know, the Tuscan Raiders does, yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, you pretty much did it because that was a combination of a mule. What does the sound a mule makes and, uh, people making mule sounds. <laughs> he combined those two. So he took what Matt did there and combined it with a real mule. And that's how we get the Tuscan Raider. Huh. And then the famous sounds of the lightsaber, the hum that they would always pull off was was of a 35 millimeter projector at the time, and the swooshings you would hear, you know, the swoosh sounds you would hear as they're swinging them through the air, uh, that was a, sl- a slightly broken microphone cable passing by tubes of an old TV set. Really? Yes. So this guy was pretty much going out there and just trying to figure out. Because, you know, this is a new space movie. He had to come up with some new sounds for this. So he was just kind of trying everything, really. And they become iconic. That lightsaber sound, to this day, if you hear a swoosh, that's that lightsaber sound, you know exactly what it is. Yeah, there's a lot I, There's a lot more creative ones, too, that I've seen. Episode 2 had some fun ones. Uh, I think it was either the, the kissing scene with Anakin and uh, Padme or those little slugs when Jango Fett was trying to kill... Uh, Padme, they like squished like oranges and stuff, and I never seen anything like this. But they got super, super creative. Like they just squished the inside of an orange uh, and, to make those like sounds. Like they really, really creative stuff the way that they did it. Yes, for sure. And I think that's with a lot of movies too. I, f- I find that f- stuff fascinating. These foley artists are pretty incredible. Uh, originally, Lucas wanted Orson Welles to be the voice of Darth Vader. He was trying to figure out a, a deep voice, uh, an iconic. But he thought Orson Welles was actually too well known at the time. Uh, and that's why he, he ended up not using him. I don't know if you ever heard Orson Welles talk, but he's got a very iconic sounding voice too as well. And it probably would have worked, but I'm glad they went with James Earl Jones. Yeah. Um, speaking of James Earl Jones, he actually on the first movie only worked one whole day and made a whopping $7,500 for that. Uh, and then it became iconic. And, uh, you know, uh, between that and Mufasa, this guy's made a lot of money. <laughs> uh uh, this kind of goes along with what you said before, but this is adding to it. A lot of theaters originally didn't want to show Star Wars. Like you said, I think you said only 40 wanted to show it the first time around. Yeah. But uh, 20th Century Fox actually had another movie coming out called The Other Side of Midnight. A movie we I don't remotely know what it is. Apparently it was based on a best-selling book at the time. And a lot of these theaters wanted to show that movie. So Fox basically told them, you can show that movie, but if you want to show that movie, you're going to show Star Wars as well. And forced their hand to play Star Wars. Oh. So if it wasn't for this other movie that we don't know about, uh, I don't know how big Star Wars would have gotten. I did not know um, that. That's really cool. Yeah. Uh, you touched on this, Yoda's original name. Uh, he was called Mention Yoda at one point, but he's also just called Buffy at one point. <laughs> uh, no word if he was a vampire slayer. I have no idea. Uh, and then, of course, it just changed to just Yoda that we know and love today. Uh, the Yoda puppet, and I always find puppet stuff fascinating, so you're going to forgive me for this. Uh, the Yoda puppet itself was made in only one week. It only took him one week to make this puppet. And it was made by Stuart Freeborn uh, and, of course, Jim Henson. Uh, after Empire Strikes Back, Lucas pushed to get Frank Oz, uh, another iconic name, especially when it comes to puppets, Frank Oz. Uh, no, he wanted to nominate him for an Oscar because he he was Yoda. He played Yoda. Uh, he did the voice of Yoda. He was the puppeteer of Yoda. So uh, Lucas wanted him to get an Oscar for that. The reason that he was never nominated is because that's when it was ruled that apparently puppeteers aren't actors, mm-hmm. which I find offensive in my opinion because they most certainly are. Yeah. Wow. Uh, the, 
And uh, Sir Alec Guinness, I find him also quite fascinating. <laughs> uh, apparently, we've kind of uh, talked about it before. He was not a fan of these movies. Uh, he agreed to be in Empire Strikes Back just to be the ghost of Obi-Wan. This is what it took for them to get him to just to do that. He said he would do it on these conditions. He only wanted to work one day, and he had to be off by 1 p.m. He had to be done by 1 p.m. Uh, and also, this is kind of like what he did before. He only, he wanted to pay be paid one-fourth a percent of the movie's total gross. What? So, basically, for five hours' work, this guy made a million dollars for five hours. What a carny. Good on him. Smart, right? Get, for actually getting done. He should have booked wrestling. (laughs) (laughs) He knows what he's doing. Yeah, he does. That's like Hacksaw Jim Duggan coming in to wrestle and getting paid $1,000 to wrestle for four minutes. That doesn't happen, right? No. Yeah, it does. It definitely does. That's a legit (laughs) factual thing. He makes $250 a minute. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Wow. I wish our time was worth that. Yeah. No, not quite us. We're We're not cool like that. No, we'll be there one day. We'll be... One day we'll be hacksaws. <laughs> <laughs> hey oh, right, that's all I got for uh, Star Wars. Did you know? All right, so let's get into uh, the lasting effects of Star Wars on on modern culture. I mean, Star Wars was one of those original, like, I think it's one of the original, like, trilogies. Um, I'm not entirely certain exactly what date, but it was, it, it made people want to, you know, go for more than one movie, I, I, I guess. You know, I, the the trilogies are, are just, are huge. Everybody aims to have a trilogy at this point, right? Uh, Marvel, oh, yeah. Marvel wants each individual characters to have trilogies. Uh, even movies that shouldn't have trilogies have trilogies. Uh, well, they're at, they're at a point now where if a, an actor signs for a part, they want to go ahead and put it in their contract that they're signed for multiple films as that same part. Yes, so. absolutely. Um, you know, just everything, everything that Star Wars has produced, the video games, the novels. You know, I've been just constantly, I've been wrapped up in it all my life, and 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 I just I, I love it, man. It, it really popularized science fiction. Uh, you know, it really, truly did. It constantly people. I love the 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 constant debate: Star Trek or Star Wars. Oh that, yeah, I, I that's the, I love. I'm I'm glad you brought this up because I truly love both. I cannot pick one or the other. I really, truly love both of those. They're very different beasts, though. Right. Oh, they're completely different. Completely different. Uh, my wife's more of a Trekkie, and uh, yeah, I'm more of I'm more of a Star Wars guy myself, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it was inspiration. It was great stories, and it's you know we're having movies to this day. Uh, as Johnny mentioned, that I mean we've mentioned, it's still making tons of money, uh, tons of money. So obviously, it's still very very relevant, and I don't think it'll ever really truly go away. Uh, not not anytime soon. No. I don't see a future without it. Honestly, no, neither do I. Uh, it's iconic. It definitely. Paved the way for uh, 
for things lasting in pop culture. Like, you know, there's before Star Wars, I mean, I kind of mentioned it before, all you really had was maybe Jaws as a movie that really kind of went above and beyond just being a movie. Yeah. And uh, then Star Wars went and just took that and ran ran with it. They ran in multiple touchdowns for Star Wars, for sure. <laughs> and it, it, I'm with you. I do not foresee anytime soon uh, in generations to come, there will always be Star Wars, I think. Yeah, it, it's going to constantly evolve. Uh, you know, there's rumors that Ryan Johnson might get his own trilogy for a 10, 11, 12 that's what he's aiming for. I hope that never happens. But um, obviously that, that – Maybe – hey, now, Matt, <laughs> we're all for a redemption story. You're right. You are right. That's true. Maybe he will redeem himself. We don't know. He's made good stuff before. I just don't want to get called a man baby for not liking one of his movies again. That's that's all. <laughs> um, but, they, you know, Disney – I mean, the, the expanded universe stuff is, is top-notch. Like, I'm a huge fan of um, – well, actually, as far as the different shows go. I like that they're trying – Disney is trying to go a Marvel route with having – a lot more than just one movie every three years or two years or whatever it is now. Um, that's yeah, it's a legit vast universe. Yes, that's super important. Be. And like I said, we talked about the Mandalorian, gonna be great. Having Obi Wan series is going to be great. Uh, there's still comic books going on with Star Wars. Yeah, there, there's so much more, and uh, and yeah, I think a lot of movies nowadays, a lot of science fiction esque movies, you know, uh, really can build off of what Star Wars has created. You know, uh, some of the like the theatrical, like the scores that John Williams did uh, when John Williams did the original New Hope, uh, you know, music score that Hollywood was kind of going away from that direction of that. And nowadays you get these Marvel movies, uh, Lord of the Rings. There's there's the theatrical scores are really, really popular now um, and, and selling, you know, they're they're selling albums and stuff like that because that's how important they are. Harry Potter is another one. Um that type of music, it's you know, it's it's still going. It's still going. You're not just getting these movies with with already played music. You're getting like really good original scores, which I think goes a long way. A hundred percent. I mean, it, it gives it adds more feel to the film, and it makes it more uh, gives it more of a personality. Honestly, uh, so like, I mean, I think if you heard just like Star Wars, I think it really set the table for other films. Well, Jaws probably did it first, but you know, sitting uh, where films have iconic scores like that instead of just playing, having a soundtrack. I mean, it's, I mean, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is probably my favorite uh, Marvel stuff. Yeah, and, and they kind of do use old soundtracks, but it kind of goes on with the feel of the film. But other than that, you're right. I mean, the Avengers films have. I mean, the Avengers has a, a score like a, a theme, uh, and when I hear it, I know that's Avengers. You know, when I hear Harry Potter's score, I know that's Harry Potter without seeing that it's Harry Potter. Uh, so it, I think you're right on this. That really Star Wars really set the stage because during that time, it really was a big deal that he wanted an orchestra to do the score. Right. No, 100%. But yeah, I think that does it for this Star Wars episode. Uh, a lot of stuff. Like I said, we could have did so much more. We could have did this an entire different way, but I'm happy. Uh, Johnny, do you want to give a preview to our next episode? Well, I do, but bef- but right before then, let's lead into that. We have a Facebook page. Oh, yes. Uh, please go to Retro Pop on Facebook. Join us there. Uh, we're having some fun over there. Uh, for Star Wars, we did a tournament. And Matt, who won? Which was the most loved Star Wars film according to that tournament? It was Empire. 
naturally. Obviously. Obviously. Yes. But the one the one matchup I did want to see was whether people liked episode one to episode eight. That was really what that entire tournament was which about. Which one? Yeah, which one? Who won? Episode one won that one out. So Yes. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if we revisit that like 20 years from now because you know, got some recency biasness toward it sort of in a way. Yeah. If people still feel that way. Uh, I'm very curious about that. Um, but yeah, so please join the Facebook page. We're going to start doing more little tournaments like that for each subject. Next time on Retropop, it will be our Halloween episode, Matt. We're going to cover the actual holiday of Halloween. And to uh, have more fun with this, on our Facebook page, go to uh, Retropop on Facebook, and we will be having a really fun tournament there where we're going to decide what the best uh, trick-or-treat items treats are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. there's, yeah, there's uh, – let me just tell you, it's not all chocolate. Uh, <laughs> right. Chocolate will be there. Don't get us wrong. We will have chocolate, but it's not the only thing. No. So get your pumpkins carved and get your uh, treat bags out and uh, get your costumes ready. We're going to be diving headfirst into Halloween. Absolutely. All right, everybody. That does it for us today. And, yeah, we'll talk to you in two weeks uh, for Halloween special, uh, Retro Pop. <laughs> <laughs>